0: Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Don, for the songs. I think we should have blown out a couple windows on those two songs. I mean, if the resurrection can't get you excited, and we're allowed to be excited about truth and God, I don't know what will. Goodness. It's interesting, Uh, we remember Jesus at the table, he said, this do in remembrance of me, about his body and his blood, but he asked us to do it on the first day of the week, which is the resurrection day, and so we don't want to forget that that was all part of remembering him. Not just that he suffered and that he gave his life, but then he came back. Because if he doesn't come back, it's all for naught anyway. It's all for naught. So we want to talk about the resurrection today. Matthew 27, let's go there. 57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. The last few days of Jesus' life had been intense and filled with all kinds of activity. The triumphal ride into Jerusalem, you recall, on the donkey. The verbal sparring with the Pharisees and Sadducees, which he did a lot. And then his passionate words and teaching to his disciples as he faced the cross. His arrest in the garden. His prayer in the garden. The two trials, we can call them trials. They weren't much of trials. His crucifixion. And of course, as he was there on the cross, there was no miracle. There was no lightning from heaven. No voice from the sky. No angels to come and take him down. He died there at the hands of the uh, conniving self-righteous priests and the iron fist of Rome and he was dead and as we see there Joseph came put him in his own tomb and walked away the question becomes now what now what Jesus was dead and buried, the tomb was sealed, and there was a guard of Roman soldiers around. Now what? Well, in situations like this, it's time for God to act, isn't it? God always likes to wait till it looks like it's over. I remember the Israelites with their back against the Red Sea. How are we going to get out of this one? Well, no problem for God. We'll just part the sea, and you can walk over on dry ground. And I remember Hezekiah when the Assyrians had surrounded Jerusalem and trying to starve them out. And Hezekiah, you know, they have no army. He prays to God, and God shows up with one angel, and 185,000 of the Assyrian army are dead in one night. And they just melt away into the darkness. Well, it's time for God to act again with Jesus. To fulfill his promises, to keep his word, to demonstrate his power, to fully reveal his love for humanity. And that's what he does. And what does he do? But raise his son from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brought him back to life. Can you believe it? Sometimes I think we kind of believe it. But it's like maybe it's true. I hope it's true. Do you know it's true? If we really know it's true... That should absolutely change our lives. It really should. That Jesus came back from the dead. It should change us inside and out. Change how we look at life, how we live life, what we think about life, what we think about God, what we think about our fellow man. It should change everything. Let's go to Luke 24. We can see even here how difficult it is, how difficult it was for them to believe that he came back from the dead. I mean, people just don't do that. There's been a thousands of years of history. You die, you go in the grave, you go in the ground, and that's it, it's over. So we, we shouldn't marvel at these people. Even though they were thinking, you know, he is the Son of God, believing he's the Son of God. Is he the Son of God? We see that so much with the disciples, how they, they were in doubt at times. And now he's dead. And they're thinking it's over. Luke 24. And this is about... Uh, those wonderful and marvelous ladies, women who served Jesus. They don't get enough credit, I don't think. They supported him in his mission and in his ministry. And here they are, on the, but on the first day of the week, you see, they're the ones to come after the Sabbath day to uh, do some more for his body. At early dawn... They came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It was not there. There's been many studies made of all the Gospels about what this and that, and we're not here to talk about that. But it's been absolutely, you know, if you will, affirmed the body was not there was not a hoax. While they were perplexed about this, you see, what's this all about? Behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, you know, this is usually the response, almost always the response when you get, I'm saying these are angelic beings, angels. We read that in the other gospels. Their their appearance is such you just you just you just collapse. They're frightening, and then the most marvelous words, as I've said before, some of the most marvelous words ever said to humanity. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He's not here. He's alive. What must they have... What, how must that have resonated in their minds? You know, like, what? I, am I hearing you right? Are you telling me the truth? Remember I spoke to you while you were still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Right there... In verse 7, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's it right there. And he had told them this more than once. Even in the days not too long before all this happened. This is what's going to happen to me. It's like, you know, we, you know Peter didn't want to believe it. And it seems the other ones didn't want to believe it or didn't want to listen either. You know, again... Sometimes we're so very terrible at listening. When we hear something that we disagree with, we just turn it off. And that's going to be a bad thing. Then verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. You see, they had to be reminded. Oh, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, okay. And returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Okay, the the apostles, of course, Judas is gone from among them now. So they come back and they're all excited and say, We went, we didn't, we didn't find the body, and there's two men there and said he's he's risen and go to Galilee. Now they were, now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, also the other women with with them were telling these things to the apostles. So there was quite a few of them there in this entourage. Of course, in those days, the, uh, the word of women wasn't taken too seriously at times. They weren't even allowed to testify in a law, a, law, a court. And so they're trying to tell the apostles what they saw and what they heard. And notice verse eleven. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Wow, <laughs> are you kidding me? You know, you've been up too early this morning. You know, it's 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 before you know it's dawn, and you need to go get some breakfast and whatever. You've been carrying all those spices there with you. you know they must have got got in your head a little bit. Nonsense. These are the apostles. Peter, John, Thomas. Nonsense. But then look at Peter in 12. This reminds me of Thomas. Remember Thomas when Jesus appeared to them the one night and Thomas wasn't with them. And then Thomas says, you know, unless I see it myself, see it myself, here look what Peter does. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Like he's, Wow, this is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, but I know that he's still connecting the dots. He's not, not there yet. It, it's just too much to take in. Is this for real? And then in in that chapter, let's move on down to verse 36. Jesus has made an appearance to two men on the road to Emmaus, and we don't have time to go through that whole incident. And they have come back to the apostles, and they are now relating that they encountered a risen Jesus there in Emmaus on the road. And verse 36 says, while they were telling these things, that's these two men saying, we saw the Lord, he's appeared. He himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. And they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. You see, it's got to be a ghost. It's got to be an apparition, a hologram. Of course, they didn't have them in those days, but. That's, that's what we, this must be. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Great words for us today. Why are you down? Why, why, are you, why do you think this isn't real? Why do you think this isn't true? I'm standing right here. Here I am. In fact, then he says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Here I am. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. It's really me. Here, Here, feel me. Touch me. Right here. I'm alive. I've come back. We've got to grasp that. We've got to drink that in. We've got to accept it and believe it's absolutely 100% true. He came back from the dead. Never to die again. He conquered death. He conquered Hades. He defeated the devil on his own turf. And he now reigns at the right hand of the Father. should change our lives. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And you know, here's the holes, here's the wounds. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, it's just the old, it's too good to be true. Is this really happening? You know, the old, pinch me, wake me up, is this reality? We can see how difficult it was for them to grasp, but he was standing there right in the middle of them, right there. So we can understand how it can be difficult for us to fully grasp what happened and the magnitude of it, but we have to do it through their eyes and through their ears. That's why we have the scriptures. We've got to do it. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broad fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Resurrected from the dead in his body, that's the truth, that's the reality of what happened. He came back from the dead. Now as we think about that, the women and the apostles I want to go through a little list here, if you will, of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms. What does that tell us? In fact, that he came back from the dead. Did you ever reflect on that? Yeah, you might believe it and say, okay, I believe that as we're supposed to. He's the son of God and he died for our sins and he came back from the dead and now at the right hand of the Father. But what, what does that imply or mean? I'm going to suggest several things here. First of all, it affirms the reality of death and the pain and heartache which it brings to humanity. That Jesus entered into this body like Mike was telling us at the table. Became one of us to experience life like we do, in order to conquer our greatest enemy, which was death. He did that for us. Death is a—you know—we know death's a reality, but God is recognizing death. It is a real reality of life and had to be dealt with because of our sins. People die. That was from the very beginning, right? The day you eat of this tree. of the knowledge of evil, you shall surely die. That's always been the penalty for sin. So death is defeated, but still roaming the planet. But death has been overcome. Second thought, it affirms God's power over death. God has the power over death. In Christ, there's no need to fear death. And if he has power over death, we we could pretty well say he has power over everything, which the scripture affirms. But it's been proven, you see, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came back from the dead. That shows the power that God has over this world. It affirms that. The third thing, it affirms that our bodies matter. Jesus came back from the dead in a body, didn't he? We just read that. Your body will eventually be exchanged for a better body. We read that in 1 Corinthians 15, a spiritual body. But we are body people. Some philosophies and some religions that have argued over the years that the body doesn't matter. It's just the soul inside that matters. So whatever you do with the body, you can sin and do wicked things all you want as long as you keep this inner person clean. But the resurrection of Jesus says no way because you will be resurrected in your body and it matters what you do with your body. As we read in other scriptures as well. So the body matters to God. The fourth thing, it affirms there is a real hope for life after death. There is another life after death. There is another world that we can look forward to. Jesus has led the way. Opened that door for us to life eternal, as we call it. New heavens and a new earth, as Peter writes in Second Peter. We look for that, he says. We look for that. That's what we want. Not to live in a world where there is death and trouble and, you know, in every turn you don't know what's going to happen, who's going to get sick, who's going to die, who's going to lose their job, whatever it might be. We look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that. The next thought. Jesus' resurrection, it vindicates him at every turn. Every word that he said we know is true. Every word. We can trust him. We can believe him. We can follow him. We know, as the scripture says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, sometimes it looks like we do things it doesn't go too far, doesn't affect many people. And sometimes the people we do them for aren't appreciative, but your labor in the Lord is never in vain. This affirms that. That we can trust Jesus' words, that everything he said, about how to live, about coming judgment day, about the blessings that will follow, about the blessings in this life, about prayer, about the Holy Spirit, and whatever you want to say, they're all true. They're all true. And you can trust what he says. The next thought. The resurrection affirms that the cross of Christ saves from death the cross is the heart of the gospel that he gave his life for our sins that he carried his own sins in his body on the tree as Peter writes and then came back from the dead I like to believe the sins were left in the grave I don't know if that's a good way to look at it but if you're in Christ they're gone they're gone. And we don't have to think about them anymore. And a last thought the resurrection of Christ signals the beginning of the end, and therefore the approach of the beginning. Jesus was the first fruits from the dead, the beginning of the harvest of souls for God to life eternal into the next life. He was the beginning. And that thus signals that there will be an end someday to this world. That death has been conquered and someday death will be no more. But it's not over because God has promised another life, another world another age, in fact, he has promised ages to come for those who love him. And so Jesus has just opened the door to that, that there will be a future for those who are in Christ. It's assured by Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection is so meaningful. It's so powerful. And it affirms so much for us. I want to wrap up in 1 Corinthians 15 and then from Revelation 1. 1 Corinthians 15, if you're familiar with scripture, know that's the great, as we call it, the resurrection chapter. Paul speaks at length about the resurrection there. There were some in Corinth who were arguing that there was no resurrection. And Paul kind of can't believe that because obviously the gospel has been preached to them. But still, somehow they would gotten that in their head. I'm going to start in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Okay, So if you want to take that position, you know what you're saying. Then Jesus is not raised either. If there's no resurrection. It's not possible for anybody to come back from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is vain... Your faith also is vain. You see how important the resurrection is? Absolutely, the cross. Absolutely, he died for our sins. Absolutely, he was buried. But if there's no resurrection, it's all a waste of time because he's still dead. Moreover, we have been found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. You see Paul's argument. You know, if in fact there is no resurrection, then we're false witnesses because we're saying there is. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Notice the connection between the resurrection and forgiveness of sins. It isn't only about the death on the cross. It's also about the resurrection. If Christ is not raised, you are still in your sins. I don't think we've caught that yet. How important the resurrection is. But then verse 20. Paul affirmed. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. They're the first fruits of those who are asleep. We used that thought already. He affirms that he's an apostle. He saw the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit to preach and teach these things. He is raised. And then lastly in Revelation 1. How can you forget this? One of my very favorite scriptures. John there in the Isle of Patmos. For the kingdom. He's exiled. Says he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. First day of the week. And he hears this voice. And he turns to look and you see this, this picture of Jesus there, glorified, verse, verses 12 through 16. The white hair and the, and the eyes flaming like fire and, uh, and feet like burnished bronze and so forth. He's got the, uh, the uh, seven stars in his right hand, yeah, this, this magnificent picture. And again, John just collapses like a dead man. And then verse 17. When I saw him, I felt his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. That kind of shows the distance between this world and us living in this body of dust and that glorification in that next world where there is no sin. How far apart they are. But anyway, he says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. You know, I, I'm, every, I'm the beginning and the end. I've got it all right here. And the living one goes back to some words we heard already in Luke, isn't it? The living one, where you seek the living one among the dead. And I was dead. There he affirms it himself. You know, he wasn't just in a coma. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. You see? Conquered death in this body. His body. And I have the keys of death. And of Hades. He says, I've got them. I, and that means I have the power over them. I have power over them. No other man, no other spirit, no other being has the power over death and Hades. Only Jesus. And There's one uh, my favorite author used to write. If they hadn't given him the keys, he would have broken down the doors. Because death had no right to hold him because he was a sinless man. He was sinless. We should thank God for a sinless Jesus. The resurrection, confirmed by angels, confirmed by eyewitnesses, confirmed by inspired men, Confirmed by a resurrected Jesus Himself on more than one occasion. He's alive from the dead, never to die again. Do you believe that? Maybe we all need to do some soul searching. You know, sometimes we just take things that are like an academic uh, theorem. Oh, this is the way it works. Okay, I believe that. Well, let's reflect on what all we've heard this morning in the word of God. Take your little slip of paper home and read those passages again. Do you really believe that in the depth of your soul? That he is alive from the dead. He has the keys of Hades and death, and he's coming back. He said he's coming back. That resurrection affirms that he's coming back someday to take home those who love him, those who are serving him. What a marvelous day that will be. In fact, I think we're going to sing a song like that here right away. If you are a Christian, I encourage you to to renew your faith in thinking about the resurrection. If If you need prayer this morning for any reason, we'd be happy to pray with you struggling with things in life. If you're not a Christian, please consider the words of the Holy Scriptures this morning. Jesus did die for your sins. He was buried. He was dead. But then God brought him back to life, and he's alive forevermore. And in this is a hope that you too someday can be resurrected from the dead, will be resurrected from the dead, never to die again to live in a new and marvelous paradise with God himself. If you don't have that hope, perhaps you'd like to respond. We can assist you with obeying the gospel. And if you don't want to come forward, as we say so many times, just talk to one of us brothers on the way out. Brother Don, if you'd lead us, please.